Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Just to encourage you, I was an utter atheist as a man. As a man, a male atheist. And therefore, no, don't confuse me. What I'm trying to say was, as a, a young man, I'm still young, I had no Christian furniture in my life whatsoever, no Christian uh, influences at all. So I was your worst case scenario in terms of someone coming to know Christ. So I have great faith for men coming to experience the life of Jesus. And uh, yeah, so I'm really excited by, by that group and uh, just praying, just praying. We need more men in the kingdom, amen? We need more men. Men are stubborn. Men are stupid. I can say that because I'm a man, you see. Um, you know, they're resistant to change. They're resistant to help. They're not very good at being vulnerable. They're not very good at being emotionally intelligent. Oh, what, what a... But, but, when Jesus gets a hold of them, then things begin to happen. And you see that throughout Scripture, don't you? You see... God getting a hold of men who are being weaselly or being stupid or being cowardly or whatever else or being downright misdirected and God gets a hold of them and then things change. So we need God to get a hold of more men. And um, amen? amen? If you've got friends uh, who don't know Christ, you're there to be salt and light. You're there to be a witness to them. You're there to model to them what it is to follow Jesus. Um, you know, Jesus was the most manly man that walked the planet in the sense of his identity and security in the Father. And that didn't mean he had to be overtly masculine or he didn't have to do things to demonstrate his masculinity, but he was utterly secure in his identity in the Father. And that makes a massive difference. Because most men are insecure. (laughs) So men are looking for a place of security, a place of identity. Women often are finding that more easily because they relate more easily together, they share emotion more easily, they're more vulnerable. Men are often isolated. And that's why, you know, the male suicide rate is so high and all these things, because men isolate themselves. And so we need to pray for men to find Christ, to find community, and to find identity. Amen? Amen. That's a whole different talk than what we're going to do today, which is we're going to continue in our new series. We're only a couple more to do uh, today and uh, next week. Um, after that, we're going to be dropping into um, this, uh, this short sermon series, Red Letters. It's going to be five talks uh, with a number of different speakers, really pulling out their favorite passages uh, of the words of Jesus, uh, red letters, because in many Bibles you'll find the words of Jesus used to be red. And so uh, that's going to be a mini-series we're going to do off the back of this um, Galatians one. But for today, this is where we are in our series. We're, on, uh, we're down in Galatians uh, 6. We started looking at relating last week, how the gospel changes the way we relate, or it should change the way we do relationships. This new identity we have in Christ changes the way we relate to ourselves and the way we relate to others. And we carved that into two pieces, and we did that last week. We're going to carry on this week. And last week we talked about how we're often living life in a comparative way. And so that leaves us feeling superior or inferior, depending on what we're looking at and what we're relating to. And particularly around, the, um, around social media, we talked about how we can never really come away from social media in a neutral state. We either come away feeling inferior because someone just posted their latest trip to whatever, or we come away feeling superior because someone's having a hard time 
or wearing some horrible makeup or something like that, and we feel much better than they are. So we come away with this inferior or superior attitude, and Paul says that's not where we're supposed to be with the gospel, because the gospel makes us humble and confident. It makes us both secure in who we are and confident in who we are, but also we can be humble in the way we relate to other people. So we're going to pick up the next part of this section today. It's a very small section, Galatians 6, 2-5. So we'll quickly read this and, uh, and move on. So Paul says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. And last week we looked at how Paul started out this section by saying we can help those who are caught in sin. We talked about the word in the Greek there. Remember what it's called? A nice word that we used? It was described that sin as? No, that was a couple of weeks back. We talked about last week dislocation, didn't we? Remember? I shared that lovely story of Les helping that fielder on the cricket pitch who dislocated his finger, you know, when he tried to catch a ball on the outfield. And when Paul says someone's caught in sin, it's like they're dislocated. A part of themselves is, is, is not where it should be. And when we gently restore them, as Paul asked us to do, it's like we're putting that part of them back in place. We, 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 we're putting that dislocation back in place. And that's one way we can help each other. But the other way Paul says we can help each other is that we can carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. Now, Paul's talking about things here that we can't carry on our own. Have any of you ever moved house and tried to get a wardrobe down the stairs? <laughs> That's the sort of thing Paul's talking about. He's talking about the certain things in life that we just can't do on our own, even though often we try, we try to do. Um, Paul says if you, if you understand this, that you're not supposed to do life alone, then you really understand what it's like to do life in Christ. You'll fulfill the law of Christ. Because Christ came and said, love your neighbour as yourself, didn't he? Love your neighbour as yourself. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. And so Jesus said we'd, we, we're supposed to be in a community where we support and love each other. He calls it the law of Christ. Remember he's talking all the way through this letter about the Galatian church coming under a wrong law. They're trying to add to their salvation. They're trying to, these Judaizers are trying to get them to be circumcised and follow religious ceremonies and regulations. And Paul's saying that law is defunct. But there is a law that you're called to live under, and this is the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is to love one another and to look out for one another and help each other do life. It says in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So when Jesus walked the earth, he gave us this incredible model of what it is to do life properly. To do life not in isolation, but in community and interdependence with each other. Helping each other do life. Earlier on in, 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 in chapter 5, he's talked about this in verses 13 and 14. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Remember, you're now free from the law. You're free from regulation. You're free from ceremonial regulation. You don't have to do anything to be acceptable to God. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. The sarks we talked about, didn't we? The fleshy part of you that wants to, to gain control. Serve one another humbly in love. 
For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so Paul says we're called not to live in isolation, not in independence, but we're called to serve each other. And there's certain things in life that you're going to come across that you can't carry on your own. And Paul calls these things burdens. And they can be all sorts of different things. They can be emotional circumstances. They can be relational circumstances. They can be periods in your life. They can be illnesses. When we moved from um, our church back to Birmingham Vineyard around the year 2000, we took over an old house, an old terrace house, and it was a wreck. And uh, people were going like, what have you done? Why have you bought this thing? And we thought, well, there's potential here. But I used to come back from work, and I'd lie on the floor, and I'd cry. <laughs> because the scale of the job was just too great. I used to look, everything I looked at was broken. Everything I looked at had been done wrongly. Everything I looked at needed fixing. And it was just overwhelming. But then the church started to organize some work parties on weekends. And suddenly, the house was full of 20 people. Yes, they were all there for the bacon sandwiches, but they were, also, they were also there to get that house knocked into shape. And there are people everywhere crawling over this house, ripping out walls and putting things in and taking out. And literally, over a period of weekends, I began to see the light. I began to see it turn a corner. But it was a burden that was too much for me and Keith and I to do on our own. We were, just, we were just falling under the weight of it. And you might have things in your life right now that feel like they're crushing you, because you can't carry them on your own. And Paul would identify these things as burdens. In that cupboard over there, we've got these lovely round tables, and they are a burden. Because if ever we want to do conferencing, we need at least two people to get each table out and get them out and pop the legs there and put them in position. Them. And they're great tables, but they are a burden because you can't do it on your own. John will try. He's tried many times. But they're not easy to do and if you try and do them on your own normally you get into trouble you're either going to break the table or break yourself because they're a two person lift they're a burden, they're not designed to be done on their own and there's things in your life that are going to be like those tables they're designed for someone to come alongside you and help you carry that thing that you're trying to carry and the thing about What Paul is saying is you can't do it at distance. You can't just stand off to one side and say, yep, great job there. Just just keep carrying that. You're doing a great job. You can't stand and point. You can't be sort of a a burden foreman and say, yes, you're doing a... Looks a bit heavy. Maybe hold it that way. You know, you you can't stand off. (coughs) To do what Paul is saying is you have to get up close and personal. You almost have to stand in the person's shoes with them to carry the burden that Paul is talking about. You see, you can't do Christianity at distance. I have a real issue with people who say, I love Jesus, but I don't go to church. And the reason I have an issue with that is because Christianity is about proximity. I have an issue with people who say, I love Jesus, but I don't ever tell my neighbours about it, or I don't ever share it at work. Because the only reason Christianity works is about proximity. It's because you're contagious. You're like a virus. And when you get alongside somebody, it gets caught. It gets caught by that person as you're in proximity with them. And so Paul is saying we carry burdens when we're in proximity to people. You know, you get into their shoes, you get into their life, you get to understand what they're struggling with. 
You're not standing off and pointing, but you're, you're empathizing, you're sympathizing, you're getting right in there with them and you're realizing what they're under, what they're carrying. Instead of carrying someone else's burden, you have to be in their life. You have to know them. You have to do life with them. And that's why things like small groups in churches like Riverside are so important because that's where you really get to know what's going on in someone else's life. You'll rub shoulders on a Sunday. You'll share a coffee on a Sunday. But you won't really know what's going on in someone's life. And I guarantee you don't know everybody who's missing here today. But someone needs to. Someone needs to know actually so-and-so's not here today or so-and-so's away today or so-and-so's not feeling very well today. Someone needs to be close enough to that person to know that is actually happening. Because as churches grow bigger, they have to grow smaller. They have to go more intimate. They have to become more connected. I remember John Wright, who's the uh, senior pastor of Trent Vineyard, years ago when Trent was growing quite rapidly. It's now a church of many thousands, but back then it was many hundreds. And he said, I can't promise to know your dog's name, but someone needs to. And what he was saying, he was saying, realistically, as the church grows, I can't know everything about everybody. It's impossible. I can't maintain that level of relationship. But you need to have people in your life who know your dog's name. Because they're the people who are going to be journeying with you and, and supporting you and carrying burns with you and knowing you well enough to know the name of your dog. And so as we grow larger, we have to grow smaller. We have to get more connected. We have to get this greater degree of proximity to carry each other's burdens. See, Paul's taking a swipe at these Judaizers, these, these, these false leaders who's try, who are trying to put religious law back onto the freedom that's in the Galatian church. These things were like a burden, a ceremonial burden that these, these false teachers were trying to lay on top of the freedom that was in Christ. And Paul's saying, actually, you, what you're supposed to be doing is liberating people. You're not supposed to be burdening people. You're not supposed to be putting them under an obligation to follow ceremonial law. So Paul says, don't live under that law. Don't live under that burden. The only burden you're called to live under is the burden to love each other. That's the burden that you're called to live under, the burden to love each other, because that's the law of Christ. If you ever lose your way with Christianity, I just encourage you to get back into the Gospels back into the red letters, back into what did Jesus actually say? What did Jesus actually do? Strip it all away. What did he talk about? What did he ask us to do? What did he show us when he walked the earth? Because Christianity, it's a person-centered faith. It's centered on the person of Jesus Christ. It's not centered upon regulation and rule and ceremony. It's centered on a person. And so if you lose sight of that, go back to the Gospels, go back to the person of Jesus. So verse 2 could be summed up as bear each other's burdens and by doing this you follow in the footstep of Christ who bore yours. That's how you could paraphrase what Paul is saying here. Bear each other's burdens because that's what Jesus did and he modeled for us what it is to do that. So as we follow him, we follow his model, we follow his how we live life on the earth. Paul goes on with some fairly harsh language here. He says, if you think you're, you're something when you're not, then you deceive yourself. <laughs> I think one of the biggest problems without Christ, because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
And what Paul gets into in these verses 3 to 5 is really digging into a discussion, a discussion of humility and pride. Before verse 3, there's a, there's a 4 that doesn't come out in the NIV translation. So it should say, for if anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. And what Paul is saying, you're not going to be able to be a burden-bearing type of person if you've got a wrong understanding of who you are. If you've got a wrong understanding of what it is to be humble. So if you think you're above helping, then you're not going to be able to carry someone else's burden, are you? What I loved about the vineyard in the early days was you never graduated from chairs. Chairs, chairs, chairs. Because we, we didn't tend to have buildings in the early days, so we hired places like school halls or, or hotel conference rooms, and invariably when you got there, you had to put the chairs out. So the first thing you did when you got involved in the vineyard church was learn how to handle a chair. And then when you finished, you had to put the chairs away again. Now I'm praying there's no chairs in heaven, because I've done chairs for decades. And I come to Riverside, and what do we have? Chairs! And so we do chairs. But chairs are great, because what chairs do, they're a real leveller. If anybody walks into church and they're not prepared to touch a chair, I'm suspicious. You know, what puts you above the chair? You know, what puts you above the humble chair? The chair is a great leveller. And so, as churches were growing, we've been involved, and the first thing we used to do was get people on chairs. How do they respond to a good chair? Because it gives you an idea of what's going on inside. Do they think of themselves more highly than they ought? Do they think of themselves above the humble chair? You know, I did chairs 10 years ago. You know, I've done chairs. I don't plan on doing chairs again. You know, have you ever met people like that? People who think they've graduated past certain humble tasks? I love it here that everyone gets involved in everything. Chairs, serving, whatever it might be. Nothing is above anybody. We don't say, you did chairs last year, so therefore you're going to graduate onto welcome, and then you've done welcome, you can graduate onto teach. We don't do it that way, do we? Everyone gets stuck in. No one graduates past the chair. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, it's a stern warning. He says, if you think of yourself too superior, then you won't be able to get alongside someone in that proximity and serve them humbly. You won't be able to help them. Don't think of yourself that way. You can be confident in Christ and humble enough to move a chair. The two are not in contrast with each other. You see, it takes Jesus-centered humility to bear the burdens with somebody else. You have to remind yourself of what Christ did for you. And that releases you to serve somebody else. You're secure in your identity. You're secure in your motive. When Wimber, years ago, John Wimber um, came to Christ, he was working in the record industry, and it's quite a sort of drug-fueled, quite a corrupt industry. And he decided he wanted to leave that behind him and, and basically make a clean break as he was following Jesus. And so he, he got a job moving from being a record producer to cleaning out oil drums. And so every day he used to hose out these oil drums filthy oil drums and for kind of reuse and one day a friend went to where he was working and found him hosing out these oil drums and he said he said what happened thinking John had fallen on hard times he said well Jesus did this to me and the guy said he's not doing it to me and he jumped back in his car and he fled 
Jesus did this to me. Jesus brought me to a place of, of, of humility, but utter security in who I am. So I can hose out oil drums with utter contentment because this doesn't reflect who I am. This isn't my value, my standing. I can do this job secure in Christ. So Paul says you can, you can test your actions. You can, you can test yourself. We, we spend so much time comparing ourselves with each other, but actually what we should be doing is testing ourselves. You can self-measure. You can look inside and say, am I living in a way that has integrity with myself? What I, what I say I believe and what I actually believe, I can always check because I can look at my actions and look at my motives. I can self-measure. So do you ever take time to stop and reflect on what you've done and why you've done it and what your motives were for doing it? Do you ever kind of self-measure? And how do you measure up to yourself? How do you measure up to yourself? Do you feel like you're living with integrity? Do you feel like you're living at one with your values and your beliefs? Are you consistent with them? Because that's what God encourages us to do. He says, test yourself. Check yourself. Look inside. Don't look to someone else to validate you. Don't compare yourself with someone else to see how well you're succeeding or failing. Test yourself. How do you measure up? It's much better to self-measure than to comparative measure. Because no one on Facebook or Instagram is going to tell you who you are. Trust me, I've tried it. No one. <laughs> no one. All you're called to do in the scripture, it says in Romans, is live up to the measure of faith that you've received. What's God asked you to do? What are you doing with the revelation that you have, with the responsibility that you've been given? And Paul says, if we look inside and we think we're doing okay, we can take pride in ourselves. You can take a pride in yourself that you are living consistent with how God's called you to live. That's not a sinful pride. That's not a bad pride. It's actually, yeah, I'm, I'm doing my best with what I've got. I'm looking inside. And that's not meaning that you're perfect or that you're always winning. It means you're, you're trying to live consistent with who you are inside. It means you're assessing what God is putting before you, the opportunities, the challenges, the circumstances, and you're trying to live consistent with the identity that Jesus has, has made inside. When we come down to the bottom of this section, we've got an apparent contradiction. So Paul says, carry each other's burdens. And then he says, each one should carry their own load. What is he going on about? There's a difference. So the the two words aren't the same. The word burden, as we've talked about, is this heavy, heavy load that you can't manage on your own. The word load is much more akin to, to one of these. A backpack or a rucksack. That's what the word means in the Greek. And it literally means each person should shoulder their own pack. Each person should shoulder their own pack. And what that means is God has given you in your life a unique set of circumstances and responsibilities that no one else carries. No one else can do your life. 
who is it that said, you know, you've got to live your own life because everyone else is taken? There's a sense you can't live someone else's life. You've been given a unique backpack of life that you're called to shoulder, and no one else can carry it. That's what Paul is saying here. Each one should carry their own backpack. We went on a cycle ride this week in the New Forest, and we, uh, on Friday we each had a backpack, and in our backpack was a picnic and some water and some maps and bits and pieces. In that instance, it didn't matter who carried the water, it didn't matter who carried the sandwiches, it didn't matter who carried the cycle locks. We were all going to the same place. They would all get there eventually. Some of us had electric bikes. Some of us had ordinary bikes. But we all got to the same place together. Paul's not talking about that kind of backpack. He's talking about a unique backpack that you carry with unique things inside that you have been called to steward by God. Let's think about those for a second. Let's think about what might be in here. Well, if you're a a husband, no one else can be a husband to your wife. Do you agree? If you're a wife, no one else can be a wife to your husband. If you're a son or a daughter, no one else can take the place of you as that son or daughter. If you're a father or a mother, no one else can be that person. These are things that you can't delegate. You can't say to someone else, would you just carry that for me for a while? Would you just be that person? Would you you be a husband to my wife for a couple of weeks? I'll need some time off. (laughs) You you can't do that. You could try it. You'd probably wind up dead. But you you just can't do it. You You can't delegate it. And you can't abdicate it. Because if you abdicate, well, abdicate means I'm just not going to do it. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going just to hope. I'm just going to hope that somebody somewhere does that for me. I'm going to hope someone is a father to my children. I'm going to hope someone is, is, a, is a, a husband to my wife. I'm going to hope somebody is a son or a daughter. You see, you can't, you can't abdicate it. And you can't delegate it because Paul says each one should carry their own load and what many Christians are very good at trying to delegate or abdicate is their spiritual growth they go I just hope that somebody will help me grow in Christ I hope if I keep coming to church and singing the songs and uh, doing a little bit I'm hoping that's going to be enough to make me grow in Christ but you can't abdicate your spiritual growth. Your interior life, your life with God, you can't ask someone else to do for you. You can't give it away. You can abdicate it, but you won't grow. You can't give it to someone else to do. You can't delegate it. Your health, you can't abdicate. Well, you can abdicate if you want to. But you can't ask someone else to get fit for you, can you? <laughs> A collective cause of shame from the front row here. There's certain things in your life, certain responsibilities. You might be in a certain job. You might have a certain set of relationships. You might be in a certain place of responsibility. God has given you all this as the load that you are to carry. 
And we talk sometimes, very occasionally, about, you know, you get to heaven, you get to stand before the Father, and he says to you, well, great to see you. What did you do with the stuff that I asked you to kind of carry? It's this that you're going to be responsible for. Okay? We spend all of our lives, a lot of our lives, thinking about stuff that's nothing to do with this. Many of us spend most of our lives worrying about our jobs. You know, our jobs are a huge part of our lives. But I want to be frank with you. The job you do, 85%, 9% of people on the planet could do it as well as you. With a bit of training. The bit in here, no one else can do. Doesn't matter how much training you give them, how much money you give them, how much experience you give them, they can't do what God's called you to do. This is the load that you must carry. And I can't stress, guys, enough about how we sometimes have to reorientate our thinking. Because we get distracted by so many other things and we forget there's things in your life that you can't give away. You just can't give them away because you're, you alone are called to carry that load. So if your job causes you a problem with being a father or a husband, then get another job. Because you can't give this away. You can't abdicate it. You can't delegate it. If your lifestyle means you can't spend any time with Christ, change your lifestyle. You can't give this stuff away. See, God won't hold you to account for the things he hasn't asked you to carry. He won't hold you to account for things that are in someone else's bag, someone else's rucksack. But he will hold you to account for the things that are in yours. These are the things that he puts before us. These are the good works he prepares in advance for us to do. These are responsibilities he calls us into. You know, when Peter was being restored by Christ and uh, there were sort of a few days before Jesus was going to ascend into heaven, you know, Peter looks across at John and says to Jesus, what about him? And uh, Jesus says, what is it to you? You must follow me. We spend so much of our lives looking to the left and to the right and comparing and cross-examining. And actually what the gospel encourages us to do is to look inside at the interior life and say, God, what have you called me to do? What have you called me to carry? What have you called me to be responsible for? See, if we're progressing these things, Paul says we can be proud. We can be proud that we're living out of our identity in Christ. We're living out that uniqueness. It says in the Bible, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in Psalm 139. You are a unique creation in Christ. And not only unique in the way that you look and are, you're uniquely called to a certain thing in the kingdom. You're uniquely called to do things that no one else can do. And so when we, we're not looking to the left or to the right, when we're not feeling, you know, this, we talked about this honour glory, this, 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 this hunger for some sort of self-assurance, we're not feeling superior, we're not feeling inferior, we're not feeling in despair, we're not feeling envious, we're looking inside, we're carrying the load that God's called us to carry. 
that's when we really start to center in the person of Christ. That's when we can come alongside someone else and say, how can I help you shoulder that burden? How can I come alongside you? I'm secure in who I am. It doesn't matter what we're doing. Let's just do it together. John Stott said this, there's one burden that we cannot share, and that is our responsibility to God on the day of judgment. On that day, you cannot carry my pack, and I cannot carry yours. So I want you to think this week about what's in your rucksack. You know, it might take you, you might need to do some reorientation of your, of your priorities or your life, but what is it God has called you to be uniquely responsible for? What is it God's called you to carry, the load that you are called to carry? And as you look around, what are the burdens that you can help other people with? Who are the people you're close to? Who are the people you're sharing life with? And how can that proximity let you shoulder their burden? Because if we live this way, guys, we'll live generous lives. We'll live generous lives, non-judgmental lives. We'll start to look like Jesus in the way we conduct ourselves. Often we look at somebody else and we, we judge them. We judge them. But we don't know what they're struggling with. We don't know what's in their pack. We don't know what burdens they're under. We're not called to judge. We're called to love and support. The person you're judging might be doing a better job of following Jesus than you are with the circumstances they're dealing with. So we're called to fulfill the law of Jesus. We're called to love our neighbours. Let's stand together and get ready to take communion. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.